Dawn, in her infinite wisdom, booked us to return from Hawaii through the night on a red-eye flight. Perfect ending to a lovely vacation. Got home about 8 o'clock in the morning on Monday, took a brief nap for a few hours, got up, just sluggishly went about the rest of the day. And uh, that night we turned on the television to watch um, the National Football College Football Championship. I don't know if anyone here saw this. Wow. It's always risky when you do sports stuff in worship services. Uh, and it was an amazing game. We watched the Clemson Tigers, right? Oh, boy, here we go. The Clemson Tigers overcame uh, the Alabama Crimson Tide. And it was an ama- absolutely amazing football game. It was Basically, whoever had the ball at the end of the game, they probably were going to win. It was one of those football games, back and forth, back and forth. And the Clemson Tide wins the game. And, and that was a cool thing. But what I thought was most cool about it is at the end of the game, post-game, they were interviewing Coach Sweeney. I think I said his name right. Debo Sweeney. How would I do? Dabo? Debo. Oh, see, this is what I'm talking about. They interviewed the coach of... Uh, The Clemson Tigers, and he said some things that captured my imagination. He said this. He said, only God can do this. He said that multiple times. Only God can do this. Eight years ago, I took the helms of the Clemson Tide Tigers. We had one goal, one dream, one vision to take this team and bring them back as national champions. Only God can do this. Just captured my imagination. I love that. So today, let me risk, in the words echoing strong in the back of our minds, those of Martin Luther King Jr., I have a dream. Let me risk, we have a dream. We have a dream. A few months ago, the session wrote its own future story. It's a last action point given from the New Beginnings process, and I might have shared this in another venue Possibly even here, but I wanted, to, I wanted to read this to you and then translate it a, a little bit. Because only God can do this too. Only God is the one that can orchestrate what is happening and leading in our midst. In 2020, Placentia Press will continue to flourish with membership growing through outreach to the unchurched parts of our community. Our church embraces all people, particularly the emerging generations and families and people from various cultural backgrounds. The church remains a vibrant place of worship where a learning body of followers are committed to use prayer and study scripture to relate to each other and to the kingdom of God. These interactions among believers continue to be a spiritual awakening that produces a transformational process within the congregation and our neighborhood. PPC finds its campus energized with multiple times of worship and discipleship opportunities happening all throughout the week. Our primary focus is sharing the good news of the gospel and making disciples of Jesus Christ. Expanded collaboration with the community allows us to continue serving people in need in local, regional, and international settings. Our community of faith makes interpersonal relationships through our daily interactions with our neighbors and community. Spaces have been created where spontaneous and repeated interactions occur, facilitating expanded personal contacts 
Each interaction develops trust among people from different stages in life, allowing them to become comfortable and confide in one another. These relationships provide a path to partner with our neighbors, to engage in our community shoulder to shoulder as equals. Ministry continues to grow, and PPC is recognized and well-known in the community as a church that loves all people to life, relational, relevant, and bold. Thank you very much. Only God can do that. Only God can do this thing. Now, that's a lot of big language, and when I want to tell you about this, I didn't write even a period of that. This is the session that came up with this through a process. The session believes this is the future story that God has for us. And now we lean into it. We have a dream. And only God can do this. If you've been paying attention, you'll notice that the dream is starting to take root. I don't know if you've noticed this before, but very intentionally, the worship uh, team that you see up on the stage is intergenerational. It's multicultural. And every single week, it's intentionally planned that way. Thank you, Daniel Powell. I don't know if you've noticed this or not, but on Friday nights, there's a bridge ministry and a host of people gather together to provide the hospitality and the underpinnings so that ministry can go forth to those who are seeking, searching, or I forget the third one, something, something. Transitioning, thank you. Show me a little grace, just got off a plane. Right? And I don't know if you've noticed, but even at Christmas time, we have found a significant intertwining of different ethnic groups, and it's noticeable. And only God can do this. We have a dream. We have a dream. I was taken back in the most refreshing way. It was a breath of fresh air. It was right around the beginning of the new year. When I noticed a post by a young adult here who plays in the band, and I have to call it up. I have a photograph of it. Um, and it was in Instagram. It reads like this, a young man about 20-something years old, 21, 2, 3, somewhere in there. And he says this, and he gave us permission to use this. What he did is he put a GoPro up on the corner so that he could videotape himself playing the drums so he can get better. Here's what he said about his relationship with PPC. You're going to love this. Last New Year's, one of my resolutions was to become closer to God and get more involved with the church. And not once have I regretted my decision to follow him, attend Bible studies, start playing drums with the band at church, and even something as simple as talking to a friend about God. In the past year, I've met so many wonderful people who have reached out and helped me on my journey to getting to know the Lord, and I've become a much happier and more optimistic man than I ever thought was possible. I can't wait to see what he has in store for 2017. 
for both me and all of you reading and now hearing this. We have a dream, and only God can do this. Thanks be to God. Martin Luther King had his dream. We have a dream. Jesus has a dream. Let's read the text. We're looking at Mark chapter 10, picking up where Alfredo left off last week. And if you are looking at these texts in context, you'll notice that discipleship has implications for our partnerings, our relationships, our children, our possessions, and by following Jesus Christ along the road of discipleship. Mark chapter 10, beginning at verse 32, Scripture goes like this. They were on their way up to Jerusalem with Jesus, check this out, Jesus leading the way. And the disciples, this is a fascinating verse, just one verse. They were on their way up to Jerusalem. Their way is a road, and the road to Jerusalem from where they are is uphill. So in order to reach the dream, Jesus has got to go uphill. What dream isn't filled with an uphill challenging climb? I'm reminded of an African proverb, I love this, it's, that goes something like this. If the, if the mountain was smooth, you couldn't climb it. Which means you need, you need stuff, that's a theological word for rocks and crags, to, to grab onto to traverse, to problem solve, to go around in the accomplishment of this vision and dream that only God can do. And so they were on their way up the road to Jerusalem. Jesus was leading the way, and the disciples were following, not in there but implied, and you got to love this, they were astonished. And then there was another group of people, while those who followed, even around the disciples and Jesus, they were afraid. In other words, Jesus is the vision originator. In other words, the disciples who are astonished are the early adopters. And the followers who are anxious... They may or may not get on board with this trip to the road to Jerusalem. That's just kind of the reality. And he took the 12 aside and he told them what was going to happen to them. We're going up to Jerusalem, he said, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the t teachers of the law. Notice those two categories. The Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests. It's very disturbing. And to the political rulers. And they will condemn him to death and will hand him over to the Gentiles. Who will mock him and spit on him, flog him and kill him. Yet three days later he will rise. Jesus, Jesus has a dream, and only God can do it. 
And this is where it gets really kind of funny. Then James and John, they were called sons of thunder, by the way. The sons of Zebedee came to him and they said, teacher, hey, teacher, come here. We, um, we, wanted, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. In other words, they want a free pass. Hey, we've been hanging out with you for a while. You know what? We kind of want a free pass on something. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked. And he replied, well, when we get there, uh, it's customary in Jewish custom that um, the rabbi always stands or sits in the middle. And the two VIPs, right-hand man, left-hand man, we want to be those guys. When we get to Jerusalem, we want you to, you know, we want a backstage pass to sit with you, one on your right and one on your left, in your glory. Jesus, you, you guys, you guys, friends, knuckleheads, you do not know what you're asking, Jesus said. Can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? Hold it here for a moment. Notice the sacramental nature of this primary verse. Jesus literally looks at him and says, you guys have no idea what you're asking for. Yeah, we live with each other. We've been doing this thing for almost three years now. Day in, day out. You're my people. We're friends. We're disciples. I lead the way. You're early adopters. And then there's never adopters or late adopters. Can but you're not going to be able to drink the cup. I just told you for the third time what the cup is. I'm going to be crucified. And not only that, the baptism that I'm going under is not the sentimental baptism made for photographs. One of the words for baptizo in the early language is a near-drowning experience. It's almost that violent. Jesus is saying here, listen, you're going to face near death, baptism, and death, crucifixion. You don't get it quite yet. I'm not sure you can drink the cup or be baptized like that. And then he goes on. <laughs> oh, yeah, Jesus, we can do it. We got this, man. Jesus said to him, you will, you will drink the cup I drink, and you will be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with. James, if you remember, was the first martyr. So James will drink the cup. And the text continues. But to sit at the right or left is not for me to, to grant these places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. In other words, there's an appeal to the sovereignty of God. Now, this is funny. Now, when the ten hear about this, they become indignant with James and John, sons of thunder. Can't you see this? Hey, Jesus, come here. You know, can you free pass, backstage pass? We want this. The other twelve find out, and they're like, hey, wait a minute. We want a piece of that. And Jesus calls a town hall meeting. 
with his disciples. And he says, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles, they lord it over them. And their high officials exercise authority over them. Probably speaking about the Romans. But not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your diakonos, your deacon. In other words, to become great, we have to deacon one another. And then he goes even further. And whoever wants to be first must be a different category than a deacon. It's even lower than a deacon. We must be a slave to all people. And now the punchline. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. The reading of God's timely and holy word for us this morning. Let's pray together briefly. Jesus has a vision. Jesus had a dream. He had a direction. The movement was heading to a specific location. He was blazing the trail. There were early adopters and anxious later adopters. And yet he marched on. He continued to move forward. Why? Because only God can do this. And it's not a vision about who wins and who loses. It's a vision about who serves one another well. This is not a vision about right and wrong. This is not a vision about who's noticed and who is not noticed. This is a vision of service, humility, and self-sacrifice. to the glory of God through the work of Jesus Christ as the Spirit of God empowers. Thanks be to God. Amen. Lots in this text. Let me pull out three things. Every person, small church, the church, can follow the dream of Jesus Christ by observing three simple principles. You ready for them? We can all follow in the dream. Steve, you can do it. Bill, you can do it. Sharon, you can do it. Chris, you can do it. Tim, you can do it. My friend over here who prefers to remain anonymous, even he can do it. This church can follow Jesus' path, and so can the Church of Jesus Christ, capital C, keeping in mind three principles from this text. Principle number one, ready? In following Christ, Jesus always leads the way. 
and people of the way always follow. Jesus leads the way up the hill because only God can do this. And this way is a road, and in Matthew chapter 7, the road is small and the gate is narrow, and that road leads to life, yet only a few will find it. It's an uphill climb. We can follow as Jesus leads. And there's all kinds of emotional responses to that. Some aren't sure. Some want a place at the table. Some are anxious. Those are all human emotions in the march up the hill to Jerusalem. But in the words of Coach Sweeney, only God can do this. We have a dream. One of the days we were in uh, Maui, Katie and Katie's boyfriend Kyle and I, uh, we went ziplining. Anybody ziplined before? Oh, yeah, right? Okay, so if you haven't ziplined, I highly recommend it. The first thing that you do is you, you schedule your appointment, you pay your bill before you even show up. They give you the allotted time to show up. You get there and you step, you step on a... A weighing your body thing. Scale. <laughs> See you later. I'm going back to the island. You step on a scale. And based on how much you weigh, they give you a harness. All right? And then you do something else. You get a helmet. And as if you're not nervous enough yet, they give you a piece of paper and you sign away your life. Right? Right? I mean, sign away your life. That means that if you die, they're not held responsible. But isn't that what it's like to follow Jesus Christ? When we say yes to Jesus Christ, we sign away our life. While we might not actually sign a piece of paper, we come up here and we baptize ourselves as a sign, symbol, and seal that we now belong to Jesus Christ because only God can do this. And then, you know, it was great because now I'm not in charge of this excursion anymore, which is lovely when you're in charge of everything in the home that you live and place that you work. Actually, I'm not in charge at home. She is. <laughs> so it was lovely. It was like, oh, good, I don't have to be in charge. It's so exhausting. <laughs> Thank you very much. So, right? You sign your life away. You got your harness. And they do a little orientation there with you. You get your trolley which is the thing that zips along the three-quarter inch line that's supposed to hold you while you travel two-thirds of a mile at 62 miles an hour. Yeah, it was awesome. <laughs> it was great, man. Now, the other thing that's important about this trip is I was no longer a leader. I became a follower. And if I wanted to live, because I signed my life away, and see my wife and other family members again, I needed to follow well. What I couldn't do is show up, 
clip my trolley on the line and tell my guide, I got this, I can do it better. That would be silly. I needed to follow and follow well and let uh, Gundy and Steve-O and Frankie <laughs> lead me well. Right? And it was awesome. We even got, we even on one of the smaller, shorter ones, we were able to zip upside down and backwards one of them. That was kind of fun. And then I took a picture, I took a selfie going down one of them, but something happened because I don't typically take selfies on a zip lining thing. It came out really fast, so it was silly. So the whole point of this is very simple. <laughs> you know, if we really want if we really want to be about entering into the dream of Jesus, Jesus has to lead and we got to follow. Jesus leads and we follow. Simple. I can't all of a sudden be more knowledgeable than my guides. I can't all of a sudden, after two or three rounds of this, say, hey, Steve-O, Gundy, i got a better way to do this. Check this out. Even though I signed my life away, I just, I, I can't do that. And it's the same thing in following the dream that Jesus had towards Jerusalem. And it's the same thing with PPC's dream and future story. Jesus has to lead. And we all, including myself, follow rightly and well. So if we want to follow the dream of Jesus, these three principles. Principle one, Jesus always leads the way, and we follow. And secondly, here's a great principle, but it's a little complex. The cross of Jesus Christ is always good news in anxious times. Now, if you're reading the story and paying attention, we know that religious leaders and politicians are going to crucify Christ. Why is this good news? Why is this good news? Because power is going to be taken on. Power will be set right. The abuse of power will be shown to be an abuse of power. Jesus marches to Jerusalem to show the religious leaders who think they know everything and want to outguide Gundy and Stevo. That that power is wrong side up and upside down. Now I know in our cultural context when we ask this question, why did Jesus Christ have to die? Most of us will answer with something like this. Because Jesus died on the cross to take away my sins. That's true. But it's not in this text. you got to go to other places to see that. Yet if I were to ask most of us who have grown up in the church over the last 50 years, why did Jesus Christ have to die? The common response would probably be something like this. 
God loves me and has a wonderful plan for my life. I have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins, and now I need to live for him and surrender my life to Christ. How did I do? Yeah, but that's not in this text. You know what's in this text? It's, it's a power encounter. That view of the atonement theory didn't come into practice until St. Anselm in 1100. You know what the primary reason that Jesus had to die for? Do you know why Jesus had to die? Wait a minute, I'm mixed up now. For the first 1100 years in the life of the church, that was not the reason. There was another theory and it was called Christus Victor. Has anyone ever heard of that? Christus Victor said that Jesus Christ died to overcome the power of Satan in the world. Jesus died to overcome the power of evil in the world. And that's the context of this text. And that's why the cross is good news in anxious times. Because in anxious times, it's about Jesus dying on the cross to defeat the enemy and the powers of the enemy, whether they exist in the church or in politics. That's strong language. It's kind of frightening, actually. So there's something different going on in this text here. Why? Because Jesus has a dream. And only God can do this. But that cross is good news in anxious times. And we still wrestle with it today. Because power is wielded in unjust ways. People are still judged based on the color of skin. People are still held away based on socioeconomic backgrounds. People are still told a false narrative that the way to achieve meaning and purpose in life is to go to high school and college and get a great paying job, make as much money as you can, and retire on the largest portfolio possible. Who writes those rules? That's not a Jesus dream. All right, thirdly, because i got to move. Yeah, got to move. Man. Third principle. Ready? Are you doing okay? <laughs> Are you mad at me? Good, because I've been on the beach, man. I'm just getting, ro- I'm just getting going. Check this out now, because it gets, it gets quite a bit softer. Um, third principle. In following Jesus' dream, loving service, loving service always outlasts petty power struggles. Just, it just outlasts petty power struggles. This story is humorous and sad at the same time. You know that bit where the ten find out and they're indignant? I don't know why they're indignant. My guess is if I live inside the story, I'm thinking, they probably were jealous They wanted to be either on the right or the left. I mean, they gave the most money. They've been there the longest time. I mean, there's a whole host of reasons, right? I mean, you know, right? 
There's tons of reasons why those 12 would be vying for those two. And Jesus says, no, no. Friends, that's an adventure in missing the point. We're called to love and serve with deep humility all people, including the marginalized, including, including those that don't look like us, especially those that don't look like us. And we still struggle with this today in 2017. Coach Sweeney had a dream. Martin Luther King has a dream. Had a dream. Jesus had a dream. PPC has a dream. Martin Luther King and Jesus and Coach Sweeney and PPC, they are in some ways the same dream and in other ways a very different dream. But it is envisioning a world where the politics of power, whether it's in Washington or even in denominations or non-denominations, they set aside those powers to create a clear path for people who have different skin color than European Anglos. Within four years, there's going to be no, which is really now, a really short amount of time, there will be no predominant race in the country. That's not very long from now. It's basically here. There is a new referendum, a new vision that Jesus Christ offers So I have one challenge for us today. Well, maybe not one. Maybe a bunch. Jesus had a dream. Martin Luther King had a dream. Coach Sweeney has a dream. And the Placentia Presbyterian Church has a dream. Will you get on board with the dream? Will you get on board with the dream? (laughs) You and me, buddy. It only takes three to start a movement. Twelve and you've got a critical mass. It's true. For those that are interested in buying into this dream that your session wrote, I have a homework assignment or a challenge for every single one of us today. And here, it goes like this. This coming year, will you seek to find another person And become friends, and I mean really legitimate friends, with another person that is not of your race. And here's the agenda. 
Are you ready? The agenda is no agenda. Hold everything that you think you know about that ethnicity group, ethnic group. Put it away someplace and just listen to their story. And as the relationship grows, risk asking them, what is it like to be blank, whatever it is, in the United States of America? And don't ever offer solutions. Don't ever offer a yeah, but. Simply listen to what they say. Period. If we, if we did that, if we all did that, you know, that's 300, probably not that many, 250 people that are participating in Mark's open secret. Because Jesus had a dream, Martin Luther King has a dream, and the Placentia Presbyterian Church has a dream. And only God can do this. Let's pray. Realities start by being dreams. Visions create the possibility of new worlds. Praying awakens our imaginations to see new worlds in order to act according to the potential new world that you have called us to be about. Give us eyes eyes to see and ears to hear in your strong, wonderful, holy, loving, glorious name we pray. Amen.